0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Ohio High School Hoops Around the State Podcast. This is your host, Kurt Stubbs, as always. Today we have um, two guests going to come on and talk about some uh, big events around the state uh, that have taken place in the last couple weeks in boys' high school basketball. Uh, But first I wanted to start out um, by obviously talking about the um, big topic that... uh, Uh, people are talking about um, over the last 24 hours and that is um, executive director OHSA executive director Jerry Snodgrass being let go um, from his position, found that out last night Um, don't want to speculate I know there's a lot of rumors, strong rumors swirling around and you know, we're in an age where, uh, people want to be first rather than right. 24 seven news cycle. Um, just be very careful, kind of what you're, what you're taking as truth. Um, there's so many people out there that have quote unquote sources or know a guy or, um, somebody in the know. So, um, just be careful about what uh, what you're believing out there right now. No matter what the subject is, uh, I think that's pretty uh, pretty good piece of advice uh, in, in all walks of life right now. Um, but you know, the, the truth uh, may eventually come out uh, as to what exactly all took place. Then um, again, it it may never. Uh, but I would just say be patient. Um, and let the story unfold. Um, there's no need to be first. Um, let's just be right. So um, as far as Jerry goes, man, uh, had great interactions with him. Uh, I think he has a extreme passion uh, and love for high school sports in the state of Ohio, uh, not only for the administration, the uh, ADs, Coaches and, and obviously the players, as a former coach himself, um, and I've heard you know countless stories of uh, of people reaching out to to guys that I know to message them about interactions in a positive light that they've had with Jerry, and just what uh, just some great stories of him um, always being available, always reaching out, and, and letting. Um, People know, especially first-time ads, that uh, his phone was always was always on, and and they could get a hold of him at any time. And he never forgot uh, names, and and he never forgot um, your story. And and that that was one of the great things about Jerry uh, in that position. Um, I know, I think it was. Well, it wouldn't. Yeah, it would have been the 2019 state tournament. Um, I, I ran into Jerry down on the floor, uh, at the state boys basketball tournament and just, uh, introduced myself and, and he knew, uh, he knew who I was and, um, we started talking and obviously he's, he's, he's ahead of the show there. So, you know, it's not like he wasn't busy and, you know, I, I'm pretty sure that he would have continued to talk to me had I not let him go, but, uh, you know, he just started telling me, uh, some stories and, um, and one of the first things he mentioned, uh, knowing that I was from St. Clairsville, is that uh, he had never forgot that uh, Coach Kim Clifford um, at St. Clairsville had written him a hand, uh, written note and sent it to him of just about the great experience, um, no matter what the outcome of their state semifinal game was against the that day, uh, just what a great experience they all had. Um, up there, and, and that was certainly attributed to Jerry. Um, so, I had a great conversation with him that day. And, like I said, if I hadn't let him go, I think he would have just kept talking to me. You know, and he's one of the, if not the busiest guys in the building. So, uh, he always had time for you. And, um, you know, sometimes I always wondered why um, he responded back to almost every single person on social media, uh, especially when people sometimes were just being outright jerks, and he was always very respectful uh, with his reply, um, but, you know, he was a big transparency guy, wanted to be open and honest about what was going on, and I think he did a great job of that, but, um, you know, from a personal standpoint and um, just, just the way he interacted with those involved in the game, um, he's going to be greatly missed, so... Uh Jerry, you know, I hope um you know, I hope another great opportunity comes your way because you certainly uh have a way with with people and uh certainly care about the the great state of Ohio and its high school athletics. Um so, uh with that being said, let's uh transition to what we're going to talk about today. Um, Like I said, I have two guests coming on today. My first guest is from 270 Hoops. He's a very busy man right now. Um, Just started his own podcast as well. Uh, If you haven't checked that out yet, make sure you do. He had um, Josh Bostick on yesterday. Uh, Josh is currently playing in the TBT. Josh uh, played uh, in Central Ohio at Columbus uh, Westland, I believe. Um, then he went on to have a great career, won a national championship at Finley, a Division II powerhouse, and uh, and a great career overseas. Now he's playing in the TBT. So uh, if you haven't got a chance, check that out, that podcast out. But, uh, you know, Zach's doing a lot of different things along with uh, being married and a full-time job, and he, he's still finding ways to, to give... Uh, Players in Central Ohio platform, uh, and and that's not easy to do right now with all the different uh, hoops that you have to jump through uh, to make sure that you are safe and and everybody is um, following protocols. But uh, Zach was able to do that a couple weeks ago um, in his uh, Class of 2021 event challenge, I believe he called it, uh, which was held at Elevate Basketball Academy. So he's going to come on and he's going to review, uh, talk about that event, uh, shed some light on how he put it all together. Uh, We're going to talk about uh, some of the top guys in that event, uh, how their recruitment has elevated because of the uh, online stream where all kinds of college coaches were able to to, uh, watch that. Uh, We're going to talk about uh, some of the top 2022 and 2023 guys to be looking out for um, along with uh, an event that Zach has coming up uh, where he's going to showcase division three guys, NAIA and JUCO guys, which I think is going to be something awesome. Um, you know, a lot of guys just want to get involved with the high level kids. And um, like Zach tells us <clears throat> today during the show, man, division three basketball it is no joke. Um, you know, if you play basketball at any uh, at the next level, at any level, um, you've got to be pretty doggone good, and, and Zach has given those kids uh, a chance to to be seen. Um, and, and most of those kids, if not all those kids, have extremely uh, good academics, which makes them obviously more marketable to especially Division three schools. So he's got that coming up. So he's obviously very busy. Um, and then our next guest will be uh, Corey Albertson of Triple Double Prospects. He, along with 275 Hoops, uh, just ran an event this past Friday at Don Prep uh, for some of the top 2021s in Cincinnati. He did have a few, a handful of 2022s and two 2023s. 20, 20, Hard to believe that we have 2023s and we'll have 2024s in high school next year, or this coming fall, I should say. But he talks about that event. Um, you know, he says a lot of the same things um and how the event was put together uh you know along those same lines as what Zach was saying. Uh but we also talk about, you know, his uh his next event he has coming up. Uh he's gonna do one for the Dayton area kids and some of the fringe uh schools. Out that way um, and he's going to do that I believe on July 15th. Um, so Corey's also a busy guy, full-time job, uh, runs his own business. So um, you know two guys today coming on that, that are really are about the kids and that want to make sure that despite you know the circumstances that, that these 2021s especially um, are getting seen and, um, you know, college coaches are able to see the improvements that a lot of these guys have made and, and, and getting these guys to school, um, not only to to further their athletic career, but obviously to get, get that foundational education, which is so essential. So Zach and Corey just doing, you know, great things um, in their Um, Respective areas, along with 275 Hoops, which is affiliated with uh, Zach's 270 Hoops. So, uh, look forward to this conversation today with both Zach and Corey. And um, again, uh, you know, to to Jerry Snodgrass, uh, you know, you're you're definitely gonna be missed out there, my man. And uh, you know, I I look forward to, uh, you know seeing you know where this goes um as far as what is the ohsa going to do you know with fall sports coming up and um so many questions that this just was a odd timing uh to let go of uh you know that the leader of your organization um but like i said uh I don't want to speculate. Uh, I want to wait for the truth uh, to come out. You know, of of, of all sides uh, being heard, uh, if if we do, uh, because you know, like I said, there's so many so many rumors uh, and, and bad information out there with the twenty-four-seven news cycle. So, um, Jerry, uh, again, you you will be missed. Um, loved having the conversations with you and. And you are everything good about Ohio high school sports. So, um, well, without further ado, let's, uh, let's go ahead and jump on into our first conversation. And we are going to do that with Zach Fleer from 270 Hoops. And we are live with 270 hoops, Zach Fleer. Zach, how are we doing today?
1: Doing pretty good. It's uh, you know, another beautiful day. I'm I'm happy that my pool complex uh my complex did not shut down our pool. So I've been enjoying that here in the last couple of weeks. So
0: Okay, well it's A uh
1: thankfulness there.
0: Nobody really knows what day it is. Um they all kinda <clears throat> run one after the next, they all kind of seem the same. Um, Zach's been a busy guy um, lately, uh, high demand uh, with what is going on out in the world right now. Um, Zach's been, and his team have been trying to give some exposure to especially these uh, 2021 kids that um, are not being able to to be seen as much in like the regular AAU travel ball uh, circuit that they normally would, um, basically was uh, non-void uh, in March, April, and May. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, Zach was able to uh, run uh, an event called the 2021 Challenge. He brought in, uh, I believe, about 20 guys um, comprising four teams, and, and you guys just went round robin. Uh, and then played a tournament style. Uh, Zach, what what was the process like to be able to to put something like this together and get these kids all under one roof?
1: Honestly, it didn't take very long at all. I, about 24 hours. It was last Tuesday. I, you know, you being a spiritual guy, you can you know relate to this. But you know, I was praying last Tuesday night. Um, you know, I've been. So I felt like there was a void that needed to be filled as far as events were concerned because I wasn't able to run Battle for the City. You know, the school's still being closed. I, I'm not thinking we're going to be able to do our intro or even, you know, Fall League this fall. So I had a in a void. There was something incomplete there, and I just prayed uh, to God to, you know, show me what my next step could be or should be, and about two hours later, something just clicked. You know, I just got this vision all of a sudden. You know, I'd been thinking... You know, here and there about doing something, and you know, a private run, um, you know, for 20, 21 kids, but not really live streaming it. And I was texting with uh, buddy of mine, Connor Harris, at West Liberty now, and he had said that he'd seen a workout that was, you know, live broadcasted, kind of low scale, and something clicked, and everything all just kind of came together in that moment. It was like 10:45 p.m., and I told Connor, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna get 20 guys, and I started writing out on paper, you know some guys I would consider inviting. I reached out to Adam Dell from score on air who helps us with our live streams. And we got this all planned as far as literally identifying the kids, getting the live stream set up, reaching out to the facility that we're going to use, getting the facility confirmed for the day, getting the live stream set up, getting all 20 kids confirmed and getting the jerseys that I needed for the event all in about 24 hours. And, it was ready to go, and from, you know, Wednesday evening until Sunday, you know, I was talking to college coaches, reaching out to them on social media through text conversations, phone conversations, getting them confirmed, making sure that they had access to all the materials that we had for the event. You know, we have like a online digital uh, coaches packet like you see at AAU events, um, but the good thing with this is it, it gets updated in real time, so I had contact info added for all the players I added their Twitter accounts and then I was able to put in the jersey numbers as well as I gave the jerseys out that way you know it wasn't something that was outdated or you know I assigned numbers ahead of time I just I was like you know what I'll have the jerseys I have when the kids come in I give them a number I'll put it in the document and all the coaches that are watching they can see that updated in real time so when the games tip off everything's accurate so all that I mean all was really planned in about 24 hours um, as far as getting the players and getting the information out there and then um, just a couple of days as far as, you know, reaching out to coaches. And then once Saturday rolled around, or Sunday rolled around, it was, you know, ready to go. And, you know, we had a great event. And I just want to thank all the kids and coaches and um, parents that made it successful. It was, you know, outstanding. We've had three kids from the event have received new scholarship offers. Uh, Des Watson from DeSales got one from George Mason, who literally they'd never seen him in person. They saw the live stream. And after about 10 minutes, they said they saw enough. And that's when they offered, so... It's a blessing. I'm, I'm very thankful that we were able to do that.
0: Yeah, I, I think the from a coaching standpoint from uh, just scouts, basketball people in general that are watching online, that's a dream to have um, You know, an updated packet like that. Because uh, as, as you know very well, sometimes that's just not the case when you're out on the road trying to uh, evaluate these guys. Um, you know, I think that goes to kind of show – where you are and your team at 270 and the job you've done to, to be able to, to get the trust and the buy-in from, from the kids that, that they know that you're going to put them on a stage to, to be able to, to be seen and and to hopefully um, again, it's about getting these guys to school um, so that they can get an education, which is, uh, you know, a solid foundation, uh, whether the ball, whenever that ball stops bouncing, when, when you were inviting these guys, uh, and I thought it was a perfect number, you had four teams, you had 20 guys. Um, how many guys did, do you think you ended up going through to get the 20? Was, was, there, was there a very small number of guys that were unable to attend? What, what was that like?
1: It was about, I'd say about 30 guys. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I originally, you know, I was talking to Connor that first night, I drafted up 25 guys, five teams. But when I was trying to make a schedule, it just didn't work out. You know, some teams would play back to backs, others wouldn't, and it was just it wouldn't fit in the time slot I had either. I had two hours to get it done, so I said, you know, what, I'll cut it down um, to twenty teams or twenty players and four teams. So I had to make cuts and you know cut off five of those players, and that was hard to do because you know you like these guys, uh, you know you want to get them all involved. Like there's no kids that I'm just like, oh, I'm not having. You, <laughs> you want to get you want to give every kid an opportunity and. For me, it's, you know, I think when people see 20 players, they think it's just straight up top 20. That may not be the case because when I'm building these events out and it's invite only and I'm able to kind of control the teams and what the games look like, I put a lot of time and effort into team building. Um, I want to make sure every team has equal number of guards, wings, and bigs. That way you don't have teams that are too small and teams that are too big. Everything balances out pretty evenly. So during my process, Kind of like a draft. You know, I'll take, you know, the top pick in my draft was Des Watson. So I put him on a team. The second pick was Tyree Huey. I put him on a team. The third pick was Jalen Saunders. I put him on a team. And the fourth pick um, was, I believe, I think Jason Foster, someone like that. But, anyways, I, I, I put guys on teams that I think can lead a team by themselves that are good enough to be like a franchise type player. And then I surround them with complimentary pieces that I think can fit work together. So in the case of Des Watson's team, you know, knowing that he is going to be the number one shot taker, I wanted guards that would complement him. Well, that would put him on a good pedestal, and also help themselves. So that's why I decided I'm going to put Keaton Norris and Casey George on that team. Both those guys, I think they fit well with Des. They're both pass first guards that can space the floor, make shots, and they're going to you know, play team ball. So, that is the type of decisions that I'm making. I'm not just taking twenty players and just assembling teams and throwing names together and hoping that it works out. Like I, I I do it kind of like when I play NBA 2K and I'm building a franchise. It's the same type of thing. You know, I want to put guys around each other that have some familiarity or may not know each other but have skill sets that um, you know may complement one another when they get together. So each team had like a unique strength. Like team one, for example, you know, Jalen Saunders and CJ Anthony, that was the backcourt. I thought that was, as far as talent and notoriety is concerned, that was the best backcourt. So they were a backcourt team. Their frontcourt wing pieces maybe weren't as good as other teams. Des Watson's team, he had he's the best player in the event. Their frontcourt was pretty solid, backcourt was pretty solid. They didn't have elite level players in any other position, but it was a good group. The third team was. You know, they didn't have a player with an offer, but it was all solid players. Macea Williams, Jason Foster, Henry Hinkle, Tyler Kinberg, Trayvon Jackson, like all five of those guys could be scholarship players at the end of the day. So I thought that was a good group. And then the fourth team was more guard oriented, um, but they had a very good front court with TJ Pugh and Tyree Chewy. So that was their focus. They were a front court team that had, you know, unselfish, hard playing guards. So that was kind of the whole process. Um, A kid that made a big impression for me that wasn't invited originally was Quincy Clark from Westerville Central. Um, I only saw in Westerville Central twice last year. I hadn't really seen Quincy recently, but the thing that stuck out for me is his character. He reached out to me and was like, hey, Zach, I I know I wasn't on the first round of invites. I would just appreciate if I could be considered for a future event or if someone can't come to this event, I would appreciate a spot if it could open. And it just so happened that Tassos Cook, who's on his team, he got an original invite. He was in Florida. That spot opened up. It was right in the position that I needed. And I said, hey, Quincy, I got a spot for you. Thanks for showing great character. Like, I really appreciate just the thoughtfulness and not coming at me with disrespect or, you know, a, a belief that I have something against you or anything like that. Because some kids, you know, they, they take it personally and they get offended. So when Quincy did that, I I really appreciated, you know, the character he showed there. And he was one of the few kids that got a fill-in spot, I think. There's only one other player that got a fill-in spot outside of Quincy, and both those guys ended up being some of the top performers. So I think it goes to show that you know character truly matters, and um, when guys are level-headed and humble, you know they can show what they can do when they buy into the team concept, and that's what happened. The two teams that played for the title game, they each went 4-1 and one on the day. They split both their meetings, and uh, Des Watts' team ended up winning it all, but the team they played against... Eli Burke, Gavin Foe, Quincy Clark TJ Pugh, Tyrese Huey, like all those guys are unselfish and it was just fun to watch it was, uh, you know, I was very pleased with how hard the kids played and how selfless I thought it was for that setting because a lot of those up and down showcase settings you don't always get that so part of it is, you know, me doing the job as far as team building but the other part is just inviting good high character kids that are going to buy in and, you know, play the right type of basketball
0: yeah, I thought you did a, a very good job of, of putting the teams together. When you, when you looked at the games uh, and you watched the games, there was a lot of guys, especially Team 2 and Team 4, uh, that were making those winning plays, like stuff that um, can go unnoticed at times uh, when you're looking at you know the more appealing stats like points uh, or, or things like rebounds. But But guys on these teams, when you look at, Team two that won it, you're talking Keaton Norris and you're talking Casey George in the backcourt. Two winners, you know, Ke- Keaton Norris uh, was on that Bradley team that uh, was one game away from the Schottenstein Center. Uh, Casey George, um, his North team was in the district final. So you're talking about two winners there in the backcourt. Uh, Elhaji Theum, uh, another kid that fit well with Des Watson because he he's not a kid that's going to – Demand a bunch of shots. You know, he he's a high energy guy. Can run, can block shots. He's added some some offensive skill to his game. And I think with Theum, uh, when he gets a little stronger, which you know is probably going to come in college, I think you're going to see his best basketball still ahead of him because you know that's 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 nothing he can do right now. He he's just a a thin kid by nature, Uh, but he is getting a little stronger. and, And I thought he fit well with that team and Andrew Wade was another kid from Olin Tangi liberty a real good role guy with that team and then team four you know gavin foe man that dude makes a ton of like plays that just they're not going to show up in the box score i mean i saw him diving out of bounds and <laughs> uh you know just doing all kind of and he's extremely athletic um you're right about quincy clark i thought he was extremely efficient uh throughout the day eli burke i've, I've got a Uh, I mean, and I don't get nearly as many uh, text messages from college coaches as I used to, but he's a kid that I did get some messages about. Uh, I thought TJ Pugh uh, in the game, um, I think it was still in the round robin games against Des Watson. I thought he did a really good job defending him. I thought he bothered him with his, you know, TJ's got a big, strong, body for a high school kid, and I thought he bothered Dez a little bit with his body. Dez got going there at the end with a couple of back-to-back buckets, but TJ did a real nice job, and he can definitely stretch the floor with range. And Tyrese Huey, man, um, I thought he was the big reason that that Thomas Worthington won that district this year. He had a great game against um, Pickerington North, and he's just one of those guys, and you've seen him much more than I have, but he just has a knack. For, for rebounding. Yep. Uh, he's got great hands. Um, he can step out and shoot it a little bit. And I think somebody – I think a college program is going to get a very good player here.
1: I, I absolutely agree. Um, you know, thing with Tyrese and Dez, too, is those guys both, they have combined 27 Division one offers now. And what I like most about both of them is they're unselfish and they play hard all the time. And Tyrese especially, he never – Turns down an opportunity to compete. Um, I've invited him to every single event that I've held since he's been a, an incoming freshman. He's played at every single one of them. Um, and I think that speaks to his competitiveness, um, his desire to get better. And he's shown it. That he was the best rebounder in the event. Uh, like you said, he's got great hands. He's pretty athletic. He's hit a couple catch and shoot threes in the corner. So he's clearly working on the things that he needs to get better, um, the things that are going to translate to his role in college. I, I think you could see him. Being a lot like Adrian Nelson for Northern Kentucky, where he's an energy rebounder, finishes layups, can stretch out and shoot the shoot the ball a little bit, but he could be a four or five man at the next level. And um, I, I, those two are two of the bigger mid-major priorities in the Midwest right now, especially in Ohio. And I just I really appreciate the way those guys compete. They're both high academic, high character kids, and you know they come from great families. So when you combine all those things. You know, you can get special players, and I just, re- I just, again, I just really appreciate how hard those guys compete, and just how unselfish they are. Because when you have 13 D1 offers, you, your head can get a little bigger. You know, you can get, you know, fool yourself a little bit and try and, you know, show off. But that's just not the way those guys are, and it, it makes for great events when your best players, um, the most talented kids, are still the hardest working kids. I think it just forces everybody else to really step up their game as well.
0: Yeah. And you look at a kid like Des Watson, um, you know, he's had a, a, he had a solid, uh, high school career. I mean, he really broke out this year, but you know, when it all started, when, when these guys come in as a class of 2021, I mean, he was not like the guy, um, you know, he, he emerged. Um, I did hear, and I was glad to hear this. He wants to, uh, major in sports management, which is cool. Um, but you know, Des, uh, Just uh, recently picked up another really good offer. Um, He's going to end up in a very good school. Um, One of the teams, uh, I thought the team three, I really like this team. I I know they didn't win it. Um, I thought Trayvon Jackson showed well. I think he's going to be a a good college player. He's got a really nice frame. Uh, Tyler Kinberg did a lot of good things uh, from Worthington Christian. Henry Hinkle uh solid as always man he he can uh he can shoot the ball as well and and he's been uh on some really good teams uh he was uh uh i want to say was he the sixth man on that liberty team yep.
1: yeah he was a sophomore he would fill in for um joey uh I forget the kid's name but the redhead the right at point guard yep he was <laughs> yeah. for him.
0: uh and then uh, jason foster at orange and uh maceo williams um you know, M- Maceo Williams stuck it, stuck it in our heart uh, at Pick Central this year. Uh, I think he was the, he was the guy that hit the game winner, right? Yep,
1: that was him. He, yeah, that's a kid, man. I, I've been really impressed with Maceo. He shed a lot of weight. He is more explosive than he was last year, and you know, he's rising. I mean, the power forward group in that class, you know, I think he's emerged as you know a scholarship prospect, and he continues to get better. So that group was just I, I, they were fun. They, it, again, they didn't win a lot, but they had a lot of interesting players that I thought kind of mixed pretty well together.
0: And then, uh, you know, you mentioned the backcourt of uh, Jalen Solinger and, and CJ Anthony, Jalen Solinger, just a, a pure score. Um, you know, he, he, he knows how to put the ball in the basket. Uh, CJ Anthony, uh, who's going to do a year of prep at uh, Putnam Science in Connecticut. Uh, so you're looking at a backcourt uh with team one there cj anthony i, n- I know you've said it what, what was his record like 91 and something at 98 at hard- and 12 who 98, 98 and 12.
1: if you think I you mean, know, their season was ended before the regional finals so if they were right. made it to the state championship game he, he wins 100 games in four years and that's just it's hard to do because not everyone even that's 25 wins a year most schools don't play 25 games in a season no um and i just i can pull it up but over the last 10 years, there's been quite a few programs in Central Ohio that did not win ten or 100 games over the course of 10 years. Um, so for him, you know, with 98 wins, I, I have the document here. He's got more wins than Franklin Heights. He's got twice as many wins that Franklin Heights had in 10 years. He's got wow. more wins than Central Crossing. He's got more wins than Westland High School. Um, he's got more wins. Let's see. Here we go. At 98 wins. He's won one more game than Groveport did over the last 10 years. Two more games in Circleville, four more games in Grove City Christian, five more games in Northridge, seven more games than Big Walnut and Highland, and rounded out 10 more games than Columbus East in four years. And these are programs that, you know, Groveport, they've made it to a district final the last decade. Grove City Christian, they won a district title over the last decade. Columbus East, back in 2015, they played for a district title. So to do that in four years, that just, again, that speaks to his just the way he's won. I mean, 28 wins as a sophomore, 28 wins as a junior, and then 23 this year before the season was ended. That's just, that's big time. You know, that's something we probably won't see again.
0: Now, when you look at CJ, um, if you didn't know anything about him, you you would probably think he was a a football prospect when you just look at the way he's put together. But as I mentioned, he is going to Putnam Science. And what was, uh, what's, uh, you know, people that are just kind of, average followers of the game what why uh, why did CJ choose to go the prep school route
1: so when I was talking to CJ he kind of and I'll tell you this too like they waited a little too long when they were making his decision he was offered by Toledo last summer they didn't have a chance to get up there for a visit soon enough and before they were able to get up for a visit another guard took that scholarship no longer had that offer anymore um, had a couple other looks throughout the year. He just didn't commit soon enough, and, you know, those those scholarship offers kind of filled up. So for him, he feels that, you know, he was one of the best players in the state of Ohio this year. He wants to prove it with another year of prep school. Um, he, he thinks that, you know, he's going to face better competition, and that's had been the knock on him um, by a lot of schools and, you know, scouts and people I've talked to is, well, he plays in a bad league in the MSL, like, are his numbers. Would he do that in the OCC? Would he do that in the City League? So I think he – sees this as an opportunity to go, you know, to the NEPSAC to play against some of the best competition in the country, both in practice and, you know, in, in games. So it'll be an opportunity. I, I hope that he does well. I, I wouldn't put it past him. Again, he's just the ultimate competitor kid just loves the game. And I think he's going to, going to, he's going to do well. He told me after the event Sunday that he said he was a little rusty. So that's why he didn't knock as many shots down, but I was still impressed with him just his toughness and the way he defends the ball he's probably the most physical defender that was there and um it's just a, a kid that's going to make winning plays and he's going to you know be as good of a teammate as he could be so uh, i think he's going to have a chance to you know get some low major to mid-major interests this year and hopefully he can you know get the offer that he needs so
0: well good stuff there i, I do want to um ask you about the uh, event you got coming up. But, uh, before I do that, I just want to run through and you can update us on, uh, some of these guys. Um, the, the 2022 class, which I think if you look at some of the top guys there, it's, it's a pretty strong class in central Ohio. Um, just a a few guys here that I wanted to mention, you know, at the top, you got Sean Jones, you got DJ Moore, you got Dior Connors, Rob Dorsey, uh, Jared Frey, who who is now at Hilliard Davidson, uh, Justin Perry from New Albany is a kid that's emerging, Brandon McLaughlin over at Heath, Josh Whiteside, um, who I believe will be able to play a full year this year at St. Charles. And you are allowed to claim this guy now because you have been to Duncan Falls. So A.J. <laughs> Clayton out at Philo. Um Zach, can you update us a little bit on that 2022 class, some of those top guys, and and kind of what's going on with some of those guys right now? Yeah,
1: so this class is looking to be one that, you know, has some big-time players. Um, It's To me, it's the first class that we've had since, you know, if you want to claim Jeremiah Francis in 2019, but really 2018 with a couple high major guys that are definite guys. Um, Since, you know, we had Dane Goodwin and Jerome Hunter, like, that class, this class in 2022, seems to be the first one since then. I think it's the first class we're going to have with a top 100, 150 guy. I think Sean Jones will be there eventually. Um, if AJ Clayton's able to show, you know, his ability on the AAU circuit and get some national attention, I think he could be a guy that could be a top 100, 150 player. So it's a very loaded class at every position. Um, just looking at the guard spot, you know, the lead guard spot with Sean Jones and DJ Moore. That's as good as it gets um, with you know, just all-around gritty, tough, facilitating players that can also score as good as anybody. Um, those two, you know, Sean's up to, I think, 13 Division I offers. He's got five or six high majors already, so he's on his way to getting some big-time action. Um, DJ Moore's got a couple offers. I think Miami, Ohio, and OU both have offered him. Uh, Davidson's very interested in him. That can be a kid that goes to a high you know, mid-major school and has a good career. And then, you know, A.J. Clayton, like we talked about, I have been to Duncan Falls now, so I I took that trip a couple weeks ago. Um, You know, it's close enough to Zanesville. Zanesville used to be in the Central District, so we can somewhat claim Philo. But Yeah, there you go. That's a kid that, you know, 6'9", to do what he can do as far as handling the ball, shooting it, and especially passing it, I think he just fits the modern game where he can be a four-man in college and if he can defend. You know, the perimeter a little better. He can maybe fill in some three as well. Uh, he just fits positionless basketball. He's a big that can switch out onto guards. He can handle it. He can pass it. He can be your secondary ball handler if you need him to be. And he's a reliable shooter. Um, but outside of those three, you know, Justin Perry is a player that we mentioned. I saw him this past Sunday at the Nova Village program workout. And he was the best prospect there. Um, at 6'6, he's an exceptional athlete. He's got a wide frame lanky he looks like he could still grow and fill into that frame and he's a reliable shooter he can pass it he can handle it he just knows how to play and speaking to the people at new albany and kids he's played with he sounds like an exceptional teammate too so all those qualities he looks like somebody that could be mid-major to even higher um a player that we didn't mention that i think is improving vastly and will surprise some people is javen simmons from gahanna um he you know, split a lot of time with Macy Williams this year. I've been able to see him a few times this summer. He's put in a ton of work. He's been in the weight room every single day. He's been playing against older guys, especially college players. Um, I saw him in the Nova Village college workout against Eli McNamara and Ross Ryan and Philip Alston, you know, all guys in the D1, D2 level. He hung with those guys as if he was a college player. So physically, he can compete. Uh, he's got a huge motor. He's there's just something about him. Like he just plays with zero fear. He accepts contact. Like he wants to play physical. So that's a player I think people should keep an eye on. I, I think he's got a division one future and in the back, in the backcourt, Dior Connors from Pickerton North, um, they have a very good sophomore trio really with him, Jerry Saunders and Corey Hudson. Uh, but Dior is the most talented of them all. He was also in that college workout. He went toe to toe with Don Penn and uh, really, really, Competed in that matchup. I uh, also went against Jeremiah Keen and um, quickly or quickness wise, he was able to, con, you know, contend with Jeremiah, which is hard to do because Jeremiah is one of the faster players that I covered. Um, so Dior's got a chance to really blossom this year and accept a bigger role for pick North, you know, with Hunter Sheddenhelm and Chris Scott. Those guys moving on to graduation, they're going to need someone to step up and provide more of a scoring role. I think Dior can do that. Um, but just rounding up the class, Brandon McLaughlin from Heath is a very talented big. Um, I really like Amani Lyles from Beechcroft. I think mean, he could be a D1 guy. Uh, Jared Frey now with Harry Davidson, he's got a chance to put up some big numbers for them. And a couple sleepers that I'm really intrigued with. Um, I like C.C. Ezram from Dublin Jerome. He's lesser known right now, but he's six six and just a athletic freak. Like I joke that I joke that he could be an of the Kumbo brother just with his body, just the way he's built. You don't see many long, wiry guys like him. Um, the, as he adds to his skill set, he could be a big-time player. And then I like Troy in the Buckeye Valley. Um, Josh Whiteside, like we mentioned, from St. Charles. He's got upside ability and um, a couple other guards. J.J. Simmons from Beechcroft, the younger brother of Jelani Simmons. Rob Dorsey from Northland. A.J. Sheldon from Dublin Kaufman. And uh, Dan Wagner from Afrocentric another talented player. So it's a really deep class. There's other guys that you know I didn't mention that could be con- – considered as well, like a Cooper Davis, so on Liberty, L.A. Walker from Lyndon McKinley, um, you know, Keelan Williams from Heath High School, there's just so many players in that class that could be scholarship kids, so it I could be a lot like 2018, you know, when that, when that class graduated, there were 30 players that went Division One and Division Two, and 25 of those guys are still at those levels, so th- this class could be much like that, where you see a lot of guys getting scholarship opportunities, whether that's NAIA um, D2 or D1, you know, it's it's got a chance to be a really promising class.
0: Yeah. And then uh, <clears throat> 2023 is still a bit uh, of an unknown at this point as far as, you know, where players are going to fall in order. But you you look at this as like a huge class for Pickerington Central with uh, Devin Royal, uh, Sonny Styles, uh, Derek Grimes, and then. Gavin Heading's coming over from from Kaufman. Um, it's it's an interesting group, uh, an extremely athletic group uh, at Central. You know, Sonny Styles uh, will be a, a. I mean, kid already has a, a Big Ten offer. He, he hasn't even stepped foot on the field yet uh, with the injury last year. But uh, big time class for Pick Central. You got Daylon Swain. Um, I know that's a kid that you really like at Centric. You got Brandon Ivory. Uh, Chase Walker, the big fella at St. Charles, A.J. Taylor over at Wellington. What, what do you like about that 2023 class?
1: 23 class is deep as well. I don't know if they have, you know, the star power that you have in 2022 with Deshaun Jones leading it, but there are quite a few really solid guys. Um, like you mentioned, Sonny Styles and Devin Royal. Physically, those two dudes, they, compete, they, they competed last year at the varsity level in the OCC Ohio, with no sl- with no slouch, they were ready to go. Um, Dalen Swain is one; he's still it's crazy. He's still fourteen years old. He won't be fifteen until next month, and he's six foot six, and he could play the point guard position for Afrocentric this year. He can def- he can defend all five positions in high school. Um, physically, he's still he's fourteen years old, so he's still skinny. Um, as he puts weight on and grows into his body, he's got a chance to be big-time prospect. I really believe that because he's a great teammate. He's got a great feel. Uh, he makes others around him better. I was really impressed last year at Centric, and they have, you know, Eli Burke was on the team and was one of the better players, but I thought Dalen had the highest IQ of all the players on that team for still being 14 years old, freshman playing at the varsity level. I thought that was impressive, um, and he's got a chance to keep getting better. He's already getting some high major attention a couple of schools in the big 10 have reached out to him and it's going to continue to explode. Um, and a sleeper that I really like, that I think has a good upside is Donovan Hunter from Westernville central, a lot like styles. He's got an sec football offer. His brother, Dante Hunter plays at Purdue. He's about six, 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 seven. Another really good passer for that size. He's got a very physical body and he looks like a kid who could be a division one player. Um, that's someone to keep an eye on. in this a lot like A.J. Clayton, he's not really in our area, but I like B.D. Lori of Caldwell High School. He's played in our events, and he's come to Columbus a few times to work out with Jared Frey. So I'm claiming him as a Columbus kid. He's a bigger guard at you know 6'3", and led the state of Ohio in free throw percentage, and I think he shot like 42% from three and 51% from the field and 93% from the free throw line. So those efficiency numbers for a freshman are extremely impressive. I don't care what level you're at. And the last one that I like a lot is Ryan Nutter of Dublin Jerome. Um, he's a bigger guard, about 6'2", started on the varsity level last season and in the sectional semifinal game against Olentangy Orange on the road. put up offensive rebound, got fouled with less than a second remaining, down one, hit both free throws, and led Jerome into the second round. So to be able to do that as a freshman, make that type of you know gutty, gritty, you know, just tough play. And it was funny, because in that play, he got the rebound over Ryan Cutler, who was a senior from Montangy Orange, another good player. Um, so to do that as a freshman just speaks to his competitiveness, how tough he is, and how much of a gamer he is. So that's a player, you know, Ryan Nutter, I think he could be a breakout guy for Jerome this year. And, it's again, this is a deep class. You know, we still don't know. It's still young. Um, and I like, uh, last one, the big Chase Walker from St. Charles. He is massive. I mean, he's... As big as Caleb Wesson was at that age, and I think he passes it a lot like Caleb. He's not as talented as Caleb was, but as far as being an interior passer that can fire skip passes out of the post, he's one of those guys, and there's not many bigs that can do that. Um, So Chase Walker is another one. Just from a passing standpoint, his size and physicality, um, I think he's got a bright future as well.
0: Yeah, I I like that comparison of uh, Walker uh, to to Wesson. Uh, St. Charles has got – You know him and and Whiteside, and then uh, the youngster coming in uh, that that is coming in with a lot of hype, um, John Mobley. So uh, it'd be interesting over there at St. Charles. Oh,
1: actually, Mobley. Oh, you you got you got some updates for me? John Mobley will be going to Reynoldsburg, and supposedly Chase Walker is coming with him to Reynoldsburg. So. Chase is a Reynoldsburg kid, so
0: right—that's
1: something to watch for. Because John Mobley Senior is on the Reynoldsburg staff now, so okay. I'm just going off the workout videos because they post them every day. They've been in the Reynoldsburg gym for the last couple weeks, so I'm just going to assume that they will be at Reynoldsburg <laughs> next year. So look out for the Raiders. You know, they, they have another talented 2022 guard Julian Heckman and a couple older players that are will be decent guys. So if Mobley goes there and he's as good as you know what they're saying. Uh, Reynoldsburg be a team to keep an eye on in that OCC division now you know they'll be playing against Newark again and then as always pick Central so
0: well you know that's why I bring you on here for info like that um, John Mobley and Chase Walker I remember when they came to Pickerington Chase was eighth grade John was seventh grade they were at Reynoldsburg and uh, Ch- Chase is like a, a very nimble big guy like he's got some got some shake to him for for a guy that, that is as big as he is and and John, John Mobley, just, you know, he's been uh, in the spotlight for a long time on a national level, and, and he does have a very good uh, presence about him on the court. Um, you know, he 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 thrives in, in big-time situations. I think the night I saw him, he had like 30, 38 points. Um, so, you know, and, and pick Central uh, Ridgeview, the junior high there. You know, they always have talent, so... It wasn't like he was playing against a bunch of stiffs. So uh, yeah, good, good stuff there. Reynoldsburg will definitely be a team to be reckoned with. And future's definitely bright coming up in central Ohio. And hopefully we can get back to some, some ball this winter. Um, What I want to close with is you got an event coming up on the 21st of July at 6 PM at, I believe the elevate basketball Academy. Yes. Uh, Tell us about what's going on there.
1: Yeah. So for this one, You know, with the last event we had, this is for seniors again. It's, I call it the uh, 270 Hoops Small College 2021 Challenge. So uh, for this, basically, you know, I I talked to some NAI, some D3 coaches that are like, hey, you know, it'd be great if you can do another one of these with more guys that are closer to our level, because most of the 20 that we had, you know, the last Sunday, they were either D1 or D2 guys. So I was like, you know what, I'll I'll try and do that. What I was careful about, though, is I didn't want to make it an invite-only event, because some kids if they get invited they might have bigger delusions or ideas where they want <laughs> right, to be for right. So I wasn't gonna say, Hey, I'm inviting you to this D three showcase because some kids may think that's a slap in the face, even though it's not, because D three basketball is legit no matter where you go. So I said, Okay, I'll I'll do it this way. I put it out on Twitter, I said, Hey, if there's any twenty twenty-one prospects in Central Ohio that are interested in playing in a division three showcase or playing in a showcase In front of Division III, NAI, NCCAA, JUCO coaches, please reach out to me let me know. Within 45 minutes, I got 20 kids signed up for it, whether from themselves or from high school coaches that were reaching out to them. And this event is scheduled on Tuesday, July 21st. Um, With AAU kind of starting back up, I wanted to do something during the week. It'll be live-streamed as well. And I've actually struck a partnership with Elevate for five straight weeks of Tuesday basketball. Um, That'll be live-streamed. So... I'm probably going to do a 2022 event the week after this one. We're still three weeks away, so I don't have to plan it so far in advance. But um, look out for that. I'll probably do another invite-only 2021 event for the kids who didn't make it to the first one. Um, get guys like Trey Woodyard, Tassos Cook, um, Dom Pins in Columbus for the summer. Get him in there as well. So there'll be more. I got probably five weeks of basketball left with different events. So I'm trying to incorporate as many kids from this area as possible you know, there's so many kids that are going to play basketball from the area. Just in the 2019 class, we had, I think, 84 kids that committed either D1, D2, D3, NAIA, JUCO, whatever. So I have opportunity for some more events, so I'm going to try and get as many kids involved as possible. But the interesting one for this one on the 21st is these kids reached out to me. They are realistic about, you know, where they want to be recruited, where they think they fall, and it, it should be some good basketball. I got some sleepers in this one. Um, one out in Stubbs country, Cameron Harrison of uh, National Trail High School on the border of Indiana. He's a very talented prospect. And the interesting part with this one is I got GPA and ACT info for all of these kids. And I believe out of the 20 slots that I have, 16 or 17 of them have GPAs above like a 3.1. So these guys are going to be kids that can be recruited by these p threes. We even have, you know, shout out to Nash Hostetler from Dublin Coffin. He's got a 4.3 GPA. So he's going to be able to be recruited by everybody who comes to this event. And um, it's, it's going to be good. I mean, we got something for everybody. There's a couple kids that are likely to be JUCO guys. So if you're a junior college program, you're listening to this. You know, get with me. I'll get you the info. And this college packet, again, i got contact info. i got the Twitter names. So if you're interested in any of these guys and you're watching, you can find them in real time. You can send them text messages while they're playing and get in contact with them immediately. So that's the different part. This event's different from anything I've ever ran where anyone can watch. You know, it's not like my fall league where only D2s and below can come. When it's live streamed, you know, the NBA teams can watch if they wanted to and you can get as many D1s as you want. So uh, it's interesting and I'm happy to provide something for those small schools because there's some great programs in Ohio and the Midwest. You know, we had Wheaton College from Illinois. They watched the last one. They are consistently a top five program in Division 3. And just in Ohio, you have the Wittenbergs, the Marietta's, um, you know, Capital's been good in years past. Baldwin-Wallace is another program that is always competing. And that OAC conference is loaded. So, um, Ohio Wesleyan's another school, NCAC conference. And I wanted to just, again, provide something for those small schools um, for them to get a chance to see kids that fit for their level and also kids that want to play at that level, that are realistic about you know, where they're going to be in college, and I think it's going to be a good marriage for everybody. These kids are high academic, high character, and, again, they wanted to be there. They reached out to me instead of me reaching out to them. So um, I'm going to be able to really get to them, reach out to them, talk to them ahead of time, share some things with them that's going to help them really stand out with these coaches. Hopefully it should be another high-quality event where kids are competing hard and the coaches get a good evaluation out of it.
0: Well, Zach, you're always at the forefront forefront of uh, innovation and and, um, these kids are are really benefiting from the work that you and your team are doing and you know keep it up and we'll definitely uh, have you back on and we we can talk about this D3 event NAIA JUCO uh, that I'm really excited to see so Zach I really appreciate your time I know you're you're a busy guy and in high demand you're like the Don King of uh, central Ohio (laughs) right now somewhat
1: i am actually i got another podcast at 2:30 today so it, it's starting to feel that way people are reaching out to me i'm doing my own now too i interviewed caleb bostick or not caleb Bostic, but josh bostick uh yesterday so i'm trying to get in your world as well and do some well just, just don't
0: let it cut into pool time all right no no
1: i, I can't do that you know that
0: <laughs> thanks a lot zach
1: yep i appreciate it kurt thanks
0: We're here with Triple Double Prospects' Corey Albertson, who is coming off of the Cincinnati Elite Open Run, which was hosted by uh, TDP and 275 Hoops. Uh, This was held at Don Prep Academy last Friday with over 100 colleges, including 60 NCAA Division I programs, checked in online uh, with the competition. Corey... First of all, how are you, sir?
2: I'm um, great stuff. Thanks for having me on as always, brother.
0: Yeah, man. Um, I've got to uh, watch a good bit of this. Um, you know, you on the call, um, <laughs> having to shout, uh, to get teams ready as well. So working, working a double job there, but, uh, a lot of talent, uh, in Cincinnati, uh, I'm assuming the focus uh, just looking at the rosters was obviously to get the 2021s out there, but um, you did have uh, a few 2022s. And I believe two 2023s, the uh, Starks kid from Covington Catholic and Griffith from uh, Cincinnati Taft. Um, Overall, Corey, how did you think uh, the event panned out?
2: You know, it it went well, Stubbs. I'll tell you this, when back when like 2013, maybe when you were calling games on spectrum, like <laughs> I made fun of you a, like a lot, a lot like like to your face behind your back, like I was just taking shots. And then I got on there Friday trying to do the broadcasting and it's tough.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's. It's not as easy as they make it
2: look. Yeah, man, do they make it look. Even like the next day or Sunday or whatever, I was watching the TBT and I'm like, man, like they make this look really easy. It is not that easy.
0: No, and um, you know, those guys, I mean, and and, I mean, we're not even talking about like the top of the line uh, announcers or color guys. I mean, even the guys that are, seventh, eighth team on ESPN. I mean, those guys are just unbelievable at what they do and make it uh, look so easy. And, uh, you know, that's uh, – so, you know, you and, and Zach and, and, and the 275 guys, I mean, this isn't something that uh, people have done many, many times. So it's going to have some some things to iron out. But, you know, overall I thought you guys did a good job of putting – um, especially these 2021s that, I, and I mentioned this with Zach, that, uh, you know, have kind of been slighted with the, with the pandemic and not being able to get out in the spring to be seen. Um, looking at your write-up and then me uh, watching as well, um, and then I've seen a couple other reviews from the uh, from the event as well. One common name that showed up whether it was your report, uh, another report, or me watching it, was Kobe Rogers, a Cincinnati St. Xavier. Um, What do you think uh, a day like Friday did for a kid like that?
2: Sure. And and then let me me go back real quick to your previous question, which is, you know, it it went really well. Um, All the kids were very easy to deal with. Like, everybody hit us right back. Like, we've had problems in the past when we've done – just the regular open gyms in the fall of like getting people to show up on time, but everybody showed up on time. You know, we had to charge $20 for the gym. Everybody had their money. So, you know, the kids really, I think, appreciated the opportunity and played pretty hard and it was happy at times, but you know, it's, it's open gym. And then, you know, kids hadn't really played competitively in a while, but you know, the kid the kids definitely did well. We enjoyed the process and uh, you know, they were just happy to get out there and, and be playing, you know, in front of somebody, even if it's a live stream, but uh, Kobe Rogers, uh, probably, you know, it'd be tough to say he wasn't the, the most impressive player there. And the thing about him is like, I saw him when he was young, like freshman, Um, and then he got hurt as a sophomore. And then even as a junior, like he came in like early in the varsity season. I went to, uh, watch St. X at that play-by-play classic and they were story, like, he showed a couple little things there, but he had this huge brace on his knee. And you could tell he was a good player, but he couldn't really move. And then I saw him again against Toledo Rogers later in the year, and he looked better. And then he didn't have his brace on uh, Friday, and, I mean, he was just dynamic. I mean, can really move, can really kind of shift off the dribble and play at different speeds and score at the rim and pass it and definitely shoots it well. And, you know, what what they do at St. X and all the Catholic schools down here is they they play a very deliberate half court style and you know St. X probably plays a little faster but when you when you get a kid like this who we know can play in the half court and see him play in the open court you know it's kind of like wow's you like you know this kid's a lot more athletic than we thought and you know St. X had had a kind of a culture change last year they had a really good year with Mike Knox taking over and Kobe along with one other kid Hank Thomas who's uh, going to play baseball at Georgia Tech but with a heck of a high school basketball player. Like those are the two kids that really made it go. And I I think we will see Kobe average for GCL Catholic school, what would be a big number of, you know, like around 20 points next year. And then in terms of his recruitment division 2s were already interested um, from, from just the St. X guys and some other people in Cincinnati kind of hyping him up. And, you know, I think he'll get some division one stuff. I think he'll get some division two stuff and, uh, you know, people are definitely, definitely going to be keeping an eye on him. I mean, he was really good on Friday.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's coming off a year where, where you know, everybody in the in the GCL South was overall over five hundred, uh, well over five hundred. Um, he was in that top five in scoring, and like you mentioned, if you're getting twenty a game in the GCL, that's that's a heck of a season. I mean, that's that's really the equivalent to somebody averaging nearly thirty points per game. Uh, you know, in, in another league around the state, um, just guys don't uh, score a bunch of points with with the way they play uh, in their conference down there. And, and speaking of uh, the GCL, um, this isn't GCL South, but GCL Coed. You had uh, AJ Braun down there, a big uh, six foot nine prospect, uh, a kid that is really seeing his recruitment improve, and and you thought he had a pretty good day. Uh, Friday.
2: Yeah, AJ, AJ definitely had a very good day, and he's a kid who a lot of the high majors tuned in to see, and I'm not saying those guys are going to recruit him or offer him. Maybe they will, maybe they won't, but in terms of being a skilled 6'9 kid that can make shots, can play in the half court, um, you know, I, th- I think he had a really good day. The kids did a good job feeding the ball. He did a really good job of being kind of energetic and active defensively, Uh, You know, he made some plays defensively at the rim that I really hadn't seen him make before. And, you know, you you tweeted the other day, yesterday, and I I really believe in it, that the open gym game, you know, can get away from the half-court game. And at the next level, you have to play the half-court game. And I agree with that. But with AJ, one thing I'll say is he kind of showed in the uh, open gym that he can, you know, get up and down a little bit. Definitely not the strength of his game, he's more of a half-court guy, but for the high majors... Or you know, even the mid-majors, when you talk about a six nine guy, they're gonna want to know how can he get up and down. And I think he answers some of those questions. And, you know, we knew if you threw him the ball on the block, you know, he's gonna he's gonna score. He is the tallest kid there, but I mean there were other quality big men and you know he kinda had his way offensively.
0: Yeah, and a- another kid that <clears throat> I know that you've been high on uh, probably before many other people were is uh kid that is ultra-athletic. Um, Nate Johnson from Lakota East uh, plays for a great program down there, and um, you know, unfortunately, uh, they they play in the same region with Moeller, uh, so you know, maybe people around the state just don't know how good of a program Lakota East is. Um, I mean, a couple of years ago, you probably could have made a case that they may have been the the second or third best team in the state you just you, you didn't know it because you can't beat moeller uh, and, and who can uh but you know nate johnson is is going to be a centerpiece for that team um what do you see what do you see out of nate uh at that next level obviously he, he's extremely athletic
2: well he's getting coached and um you know i kept on telling his high school coach clint atkins who coach Nate's team in our event that he got coached at the event they went 3-0 and uh, they, they beat the team of all the Molar kids so I was kind of busting his chops about that but uh, you know Nate is one he, his, his problem in the past was all confidence like I don't think he really realized how good of a player he was and, and he really took a huge jump as a junior where he just had some great great games and in this event I mean athletically when you get up and down he's obviously going to be one of the best players. He is just so, I mean, he is as gifted athletically as any kid in the country, literally. And he just does things so easily out an athletic plane. But he really passes it well. I mean, he played the win. You know, his teams go 3-0. He's not going to shoot 100 balls. That's not his style, especially in those events. But, you know, he's really bought into what they want to do at Lakota East. And, and they really work up there. And like you said, it's, you know, they, they haven't beaten Mueller, but – They've got a heck of a program, and since I've been doing this, 2010, Southwest Ohio Division One. after Moeller, they're probably the best program, like Wayne is right there, with has been very, very good, but, you know, East is probably the second best Division One program, and he's probably the most raw, talented kid to come out of there since uh, since James Dews, who is, who's older than me, I think James Dews is like 06, so... Um, really interested to see what happens in his recruitment. You know, colleges keep on asking one question with Nate, which is how well does he shoot the ball? And he's inconsistent. Uh, you know, when he's on, he's on, off the dribble, rhythm shot. But, you know, he has to use some – I'm not an analytics guy, but I know they use the term usage. And he just has to dominate that basketball so much at the high school level that he doesn't really get open jump shots. But if he makes shots, you know, in the month of July on live streams or whatever, um, I think – more and more high majors are going to continue to jump on him because athletically he can step in day one and he looks like a guy that is playing on ESPN every night.
0: A kid that I was not too familiar with, um, it's, it's not one, you know, I mean, they have a strong program, no doubt about it, but um, not one of the heavy heavies in the uh, since southwest Cincinnati area. Uh, Jackson Holt. Uh, of Turpin, kid can, kid can really shoot the ball.
2: Yeah. And there was, there was a lot of question marks about Jackson and, you know, Jackson's Holt is one of those things. Like he's a pretty quiet kid, you know, towards me. I don't know him super well, but like his people were upset with me about like some rankings BS, you know, whatever. But so it was, you know, hoping that he would kind of come with a chip on his shoulder, you know, however he felt about it. And uh, he really can, you know, talking to some people before the event that had seen him a lot, everybody knows what he can do offensively. You know, they're like, basically, if the, t- if the kids on his team swing the ball, like he's going to make shots. But we didn't know, like, how is he going to be able to create a shot? Like, he's not a running jump you know, Nick Johnson-type athlete. But, you know, he can really kind of handle that ball and create space better than you think. You know, he Turpin does a really good job, and uh, they run good stuff, and – they've had a few good players over the last few years. So, you know, he doesn't have to dominate the ball. They can run him off screens and stuff. And I was very impressed with what he did. And then from a, from a recruiting standpoint, I mean, he's the kid that if he ends up at the division two level, it's going to be a war, you know, division two schools love kids like him. I mean, just his game and his size and you know the way he shoots the ball. I know, you know, he has division one aspirations and, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, He's leaving Turpin. He's going to uh, Moravian Prep in North Carolina, uh, who I understand to be a pretty uh, highly recruited program year in and year out. So you'll see what happens with him going down the road.
0: This kid, um, I think you've mentioned it before. You're pretty high on him as a, a uh, top point guard, uh, not only in the Cincinnati area, but uh, in the state in that class in two in 2021. and that would be Aiken's uh, Jakarta stone. Um, what do you see uh, from Jakarta um, moving forward and uh, you know where, where is his recruitment at? because he is one of the better point guards in that class in Ohio. Um, what, do you, what do you see with him? So
2: his recruitment is pretty much at the ground level. He's I mean, has some divisional ones. Peek on him, um, you know he's got to get where he needs to get academically, and you know, junior college is certainly one of his top options right now. But he, he's a really good player. Um, he you know didn't play at AAU, didn't play much like high level AAU. Played a little bit last summer on the Adidas circuit with Manimal, and I know people said he really held his own. The coach loved having him. Um, but jakata is just—he's a really tough guard, man. He's just really composed and confident, and really passes the ball, and he doesn't take a ton of shots. I mean, with Aiken, he takes more shots because it's a high school game. But in terms of the open run, you know, he didn't take many shots. And he can finish at the rim. He's quick. He guards you. He can make shots. He didn't make shots Friday, but he can absolutely make shots. And, you know, he's just a winner. And he's not going to back down to anybody. And he plays the game the right way to pass the ball first. So, you know, if he can get his academic situation where he needs to be, whether it's you know, high school, prep school, Juco, whenever he gets to that point of, you know, being recruited by the four year colleges. I mean, he's a guy who I think can play with any point guard in the state of Ohio. I, re- I really do. I
0: just want to couple, mention a couple other guys here, to have you talk about Th- this kid? When you watch him, he, I mean, he oozes with next level potential. Um, and, and I know he, he performed pretty well in the Wildcats uh, select open run. Um, the, In in the way Moeller does things, maybe the common fan do, doesn't know a lot about this kid yet. But Aiden Noise, if he can be consistent, is a kid that could really blow up over the next, let's say, five to six months.
2: So, if there was a 2021 kid in our event that was more talented than Nate Johnson. And I don't know if there was, but if there was, it would be Aiden Noise. And you know, he's six seven. He's a big time shooter, and he is an elite, elite athlete. Just long and just pogo stick jumper. And you know, like you said, it's it's you know they play a deliberate style in Moeller, and he's gonna he's had to adjust to learn how to play that. And it's gonna do him wonders in the long run. But it's it's been a you know slow process, and they like to compare it to Jackson Hayes. I mean, not that he'll be a one and done NBA player, but in the fact that You know, it took some time, but they think the result is going to be the same and that he's going to maximize, you know, what that ability is. And Coach Kramer and those guys have been really high on him in the summer. I saw him in the Wildcats select. I went to Moeller one day to watch him work out, and he looked really good. So, um, you know, he still has some flashes of inconsistency, but if if he can make shots in Moeller next year, he can get a little more confidence, Same thing with Nate Johnson with Aiden Noyes, where it's a confidence problem sometimes you know, if he can perform at his peak, I mean, not only will he be recruited, but he'll be probably next to maybe like a Malachi Brandon, like literally the most heavily recruited kid in the state just because he's six seven and that athletic and can make shots like that. His upside is there. And, you know, I had a ton of Big Ten and Big 12 type of schools reach out to me and say they were tuning in, you know, specifically to, to watch him because, you know, Coach Kramer and Coach Susley at Moeller have been telling all these schools, you know, if this kid puts the pieces together, he can be, you know, more talented. He is more talented than some of the 2021s they have who are really good players who are already being, you know, highly
0: recruited at the mid-major level. Yeah, I'm right there with you on him. Um, last couple of guys here, uh, this kid is a 2022, and I didn't know a whole lot about this kid. I know you've mentioned him before, uh, and correct me on the name here. Is this Abubakar Cisse? Yeah, Bubakar Cisse. Oh, he's a stud, man. Yeah, <laughs> I really liked him.
2: Absolutely. His thing is just exposure. And, you know, he played he played last summer for C2K, and I saw him play twice. I thought he played really well. And, you know, they had a lot of guys that were similar, so there's only so many balls per kid. They had a good team. But, um, you know, when he really gets seen going forward, I mean, I think he's a kid who will get recruited at the Division I level. He's 6'4". He's got a great, great frame. He's – solid athletically and he's just really skilled and he works super hard in his game you know very close with the high school coach you know, they're in the gym all the time and he's just he's just a really committed kid with a motor and he had a good day and he's so strong that he can go by you know body smaller guards he shoots it well enough he's really good like when he gets to like 10 feet eight feet he's got these kind of floaters off of two feet and really kind of strong finishes that aren't at the rim where he can get blocked that he just kind of knows how to score. And he's a kid. He probably averaged without looking, you know, in the high teams this year at West High with, without taking a ton of shots. So, I mean, his, his numbers are going to be really good and definitely have had a lot of Division ones hit me up and say, I've seen him on your list. And For the first time, I saw him play on Friday, and uh, especially early in the showcase, like he was really good and got a lot of attention.
0: The last two guys here that you mentioned, um, Chandler Starks of 2023 from Covcath. This man, watching it, that kid play, it, he just seems to have unbelievable position for rebounding. Like he, he's always around the ball, he's got a nice frame, he's got a kind of a young body, young face, uh, very, very skilled guy in the paint. Uh, this kid's got a pretty good pedigree as well. Um, Maybe some of the Ohio people are not as well familiar with Chandler Starks, but this is a kid that can really play.
2: Yeah, and he is an Ohio kid, lives in Ohio, went to grade school in Ohio, chose to go across the river for high school, but lives in Anderson, suburb of Cincinnati, and father played, I believe, at Taylor High School. I know he's a really good player, played at the University of Cincinnati, and a little bit professionally, and was a great kind of rebounder in his own right, and I mean, Chandler's 6'5", 6'6 right now. He's probably going to keep growing. He is baby-faced, and he's just a heck of a rebounder. And What I'm proud of with Chandler is I saw him a year ago as an eighth grader at a little AU thing, and people were telling me how great he was. And You know, he he was a good player, but he was very kind of immature. And at, at Cubcats, you know, he had some times early in the season where he didn't play a ton, and he really, really grew up and figured out, you know, if I'm going to play on the court here as a freshman, I'm not going to get many shots and I got to get every rebound. And he really changed his body and slimmed down and got stronger. And, you know, I couldn't believe though, I knew how far he'd come, but I couldn't believe just watching our event that he was going against kids who are getting recruited at the division one level that are going to be seniors and he's going to be a sophomore. And he was moving them out of the way for rebounds. The very first game of the day, he, got an offensive rebound with about three seconds left and put it in at the buzzer to win by one point. So, you know, he just had a great day and he did it. I mean, he's definitely skilled kid. He made a lot of jump shots, but he really, if you had to target what he did well, Friday, it was just outwork guys in the rebound. And he said, he's not a, he's not an explosive leaper. He gets it done off of strength and positioning.
0: And the last guy here, this kid's a nationally known guy. Um, Rayvon Griffith, uh, six five kid out of Cincinnati Taft, very very high high ceiling. Um, what do you like out of Rayvon? Where, you know, how do you see how, how is his improvement as an overall player going in the past year? Um, and do you think that he is um, definitely still on par uh, as a an elite high major prospect?
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the number one thing about Ray is that he just plays really, really hard all the time. You don't ever have to coach him to do that, and you know Stubbs from watching, you know, the elite national guys over the years. Sometimes that happens, and in this setting, you know, he took it seriously. He actually got into it with one kid at one point, kind of from a competitive standpoint, and he, he wants to win. He wants, you know, he knows that he's being watched, and he takes that seriously, and, you know, his skill set is there, or it's coming, I should say. Um, he's good at, you know, playing to his strengths right now which is you know go get offensive rebounds run the floor block shots all that and you know he made a couple shots i mean like ball handling and shooting is still are still the two things that he needs to work on and if he gets great at those then he's going to be you know a a big time big time college player not even just high school player but uh definitely one of the most talented guys here and we got some really good 2023s and you know rayvon and Chandler really set the bar in that not only are they talented, but they kind of came in the event with a chip on their shoulder and didn't use the, you know, I'm younger excuse, but just really outplayed guys with effort. So proud of those kids. You know, Rayvon's getting what he needs mentally. It's half with Mark Mitchell. You know, it's not going to put up with anything but his best. And, I mean, the skill set's going to come. The kid's in the gym. He's really lifted. I mean, he's still skinny, but he's gained a significant amount of weight. So he, he's going to be an excellent player. And then one other guy real quick stuff that I want to mention um, – who wasn't able to attend uh, for some uh, family illness situation was Isaiah Walker from Wyoming. And he really, really wanted to come. And he's a kid who's getting recruited at the mid-major level, a little bit of interest higher. And he is one where I think if he's able to play on any live streams as the summer goes on, um, is really going to blow up like a la Nate Johnson, Aiden noise, AJ Braun, where he's got some serious ability to get to, uh, to be one of the most highly recruited kids in the state. And, Next year he'll probably average thirty points a game because he was in the twenties this year with uh, another really good player on his team.
0: Yeah, there. Were, when when you were talking, there was one other kid that popped up. This kid's outside the area of of Cincinnati, um, and I saw a picture of him from your event, and and I'm pretty sure that you said in the uh, in the broadcast that he uh, he was coming from work and uh, that's Skylar Schmidt from Claremont Northeastern, which is, you know, the outskirts there, but he looked like he had just got like, you know, done like cutting trees down or something. I mean, he, he was looking rugged coming into that event. What, I, I what figured is- I
2: figured he would be the first one you asked about, to be <laughs> honest, uh, Skylar Schmidt from Claremont Northeastern, Braden Sippel from Blanchester, and then also from that <laughs> league. Um, Matt Butcher, um, kind of under the radar, sharpshooter, big kid from uh, Wilmington. So if you're in Clinton County or uh, uh, what is it, Claremont County or whatever, I don't know all of them out there, but they should, hopefully they appreciate it. We really tried to make sure we got all their guys uh, in there because they got some good guys in that area right now. But no, Skyler is just an absolute hoss, man. And I know he plays football too, and he had a really big junior year in football, not surprisingly. But He's a 6'6", just animal. Like, he just wants to rebound. He doesn't care about scoring. Um, and he just – he did. He came in from work. Uh, he was supposed to get off until almost 6, and they drove as fast as they could. So they probably from dawn lived close to an hour. And uh, he came in there and played the last two games, and uh, he had a very, very good day rebounding the ball. And uh, he could use a haircut. But other than that, uh, he had, he had a very good day for us.
0: Yeah, the, uh, the, uh, the lockdown has, has not treated some of us real well with, with the hair. But um, one last thing before I, I let you go, I know you got to get rolling. Um, first of all, you know, like I told Zach, thank you for, for doing this for these guys and, and just giving them the opportunity to be seen by uh, just hundreds of schools between you and, and, and 275 and 270, Zach and Jason um just incredible job of getting these guys out there with a platform to be seen and the one last thing i wanted to mention was you have another event coming up that you're gonna uh, do you're gonna partner with um somebody from miami valley correct uh, for for the dayton kids
2: yes yeah, so so if, back to the cincinnati one i mean it took a lot of pieces to help make this happen and Uh, Brett Favaccio and Jake Welch from 275. And even Zach, you know, who works with those guys, helping out a little bit on some logistics. Uh, Sammy Villegas from Don Prep, allowing us to use their gym when understandably a lot of people didn't want us to use their gym right now. So all the guys who help coach teams, I mentioned Clint Atkins, Ricardo Hill, Ty Cass, you know, we had a lot of guys coming to help us out. But um, Dayton, we are going to be going on Wednesday, July 15th. Uh, at six o'clock again and that'll be a live stream it should be a very very similar format uh, we're gonna be doing that flight academy which uh, Chris Wright who uh, you know played in the league for a while and uh, Trotwood guy and mm-hmm. he's just extraordinarily generous um, with his facility and letting people use things and you know he's the type of guy he wouldn't even hear about you paying you know gym rental fees I mean he's gonna he really wants to help these kids it's a really good person and Tony Dixon who's now the head coach at Thurgood. Or I'm sorry. Dayton Dunbar um, is, is going to help run that thing over there from their end. And then in terms of like the media end, um, Rob Ellis, who is the head of Miami Valley hoop Vault, he's a young kid, high school kid and uh, making a name for himself on the Instagram and YouTube and you know, writing some stuff. And uh, he's helped, he's helped me get the kids and we're expecting to have a very similar turnout. There's a lot of kids in Dayton, uh, we're going to do 2021 2022 and then even a couple uh 2023s that people may have heard about that are you know i think going to kind of put themselves on the map and i'm really excited for that event um about eight days from now
0: i have a pretty good idea that a bearded man uh may have some input on one of those 2023s coming oh
2: M- more loves game cups <laughs> You know, I tell you what, uh, Moro has a point because um, I actually am supposed to call uh, Brook Cups tonight, and I'm going to tell him. Uh, looking at the roster, like, yeah, you can just bring your whole team. I mean, they have so many, <laughs> they have so many good young players. That you know, there's a lot of Centerville guys that are going to be on that list.
0: Well, I, I definitely look forward to to seeing those Dayton guys and. Um... I appreciate you jumping on here. And, and, you know, a lot of times, Corey, the the Cincinnati guys um, get forgotten uh, in the state of Ohio uh, because, you know, you do border uh, such a a basketball state down there in Kentucky, but the talent is starting to come back. Uh, You you know, you would agree as a Cincinnati guy, you would agree that, you know, it it, it went a little dry there for a
2: little dry for a while. And, you know, it's funny because it, it people say that a lot, what you just said, where it's like, you know, rest of Ohio doesn't claim Cincinnati. Cincinnati doesn't always claim Ohio. But then you go across the river to the Covington Catholics. There's a couple other programs over there that are decent. they will have a couple players. And they say the same thing where they're like, no kid from Covington, like they're never going to let him win Mr. Basketball because, like, they consider them to be, oh, those are the Cincinnati kids; those aren't northern, real, true northern Kentucky kids. So it's kind of a no man's land area in that regard, and uh, it's definitely, definitely come back in a big way. I mean, I, honestly, I think dating even back to the 2018 class, it's it's come back, uh, but you know, there definitely was a was a dry spell before that where. You know, Cleveland and Columbus were really strong, and Cincinnati was down. But I, I like our younger classes and, you know, looking at the Dayton area as well. I mean, a smaller city than Columbus or Cleveland, of course. But I like their younger kids as well. And, uh, you know, we're just fortunate to be able to kind of get them out there on the map as much as we can. And we're going to try and do another event down the road here for more 22 and 23, maybe some sleeper 21s, uh, maybe some northern Kentucky kids and coming to Catholic guys. Joe Fred, a little disappointed in me that we didn't get more of their guys on the roster last Friday. So, you know, we're, we're going to try and uh, we're definitely going to try and do some more more events. And, you know, it's just great to have, you know, when you when you try and look at positives in the COVID situation, there's so many negatives. The positives is everybody's really come together. And, you know, when we made calls in terms of organizing these events. It's just so much of, you know, hey, how can I help? How can I help? What can we do? And uh, you know, I hope things stay like that because, you know, basketball at the high school level among adults can get very clicky and frustrating and confrontational. And right now I think it's trending the other way. So hopefully, you know, we take away from COVID and learn some positives in that regard.
0: Well, you know, one thing that the Cove doesn't need the trophy to to know that Joe Frederick and the boys are number one, uh, whether you give them the trophy or not. So um, I hope that you guys, you know, can can the state lets you continue to do what you guys are doing because um you're putting guys on the platform, uh even reaching out to guys that uh from from the outskirts uh of the areas uh or of the metropolitan areas that that may not be as well known and giving them an opportunity. So uh Corey, I appreciate you coming on and uh, you know, I'm sure we'll be in touch.
2: All right, Stubbs you're the best, man. Appreciate it.
0: Yes, sir.